You're listening to Group, a podcast about mental illness and mental health. This is the show for the Warriors. Then I got really insecure about our relationship, and he got really insecure about our relationship, and then I became pretty sure I was either having a cerebral event or an aortic rupture. The Depressives. Looks like fun. Wish I could have some. And the folks working through their issues. I brush my teeth 12 times a day, and I floss every 90 minutes. Our goal is to tell your stories, to make you laugh, and to give you an audio hug through your earbuds. I'm Rebecca Lee Douglas, your resident anxious person, and I have a really fun show for you today. Uh, But first, I have some news. After 25 episodes of friendship and therapy and goofiness and conversations about mental health, uh, I'm going to take a little break from producing the show. I, I love working on group more than just about anything else, but I have some new opportunities for growth. So I'm, I'm going to be taking some time to work on different projects. There, there are actually a couple of very cool science podcasts that I'm excited about. So if you're curious and you want to follow what I'm up to, uh, I will send the occasional tweet. So you can follow me at Rebecca L. Douglas. Um, Twitter gives me anxiety, but I, I'm trying to get better at it. We're also hoping to bring group back stronger and better than ever in 2019. Uh, we already have a lot of really excellent interviews and stories recorded. I think I alluded to a couple in past episodes. We're going to put those together uh, into some really fun, interesting uh, episodes. But we also really want to know what you like most about group. You know, is it is it the interviews? Is it the silliness? Like, what do you want to hear more of? And um, what types of stories are, are most interesting or important uh, to you. So let me know so I can shape the new season into something that you'll be really excited to listen to. You can, again, you can message me on Twitter or you can shoot me an email at Rebecca at grouppodcast.com. And uh, if you if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please remember to rate and review the show. When you rate us there, it lifts group up in the podcast rankings. And so it gets the show out to new listeners who might need some, you know, empathetic, honest stories about mental health. Okay, so today, um, our final episode for a while is going to be a look back at some of my favorite moments from group's history. Um, There's a lot of anxiety. I'd rather announce, like, hey, my stomach is being weird than sitting there and, like, praying to the activity of God. Yeah. And that anxiety makes your stomach worse. And I think it's always better to get something out than to hold it in. So. <laughs> literally and figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of jokes. This is literally a Mitchell and Webb sketch right now. And my brothers. Did it work? Are you cured now, Rebecca? I'm not you cured now. You guys... I cured Rebecca. You're Rebecca. So please stick around to laugh and to reminisce with me. Um, So this first clip is from the very first episode of Group that we did about exposure therapy, which is a form of therapy that incrementally exposes you to the thing that makes you uh, fearful or anxious. And the goal is to teach your brain and your body to be less anxious when you have to deal with the thing that makes you anxious. So at the start of this clip, I'm talking with my co-host, science journalist Ian Chant, about what, 
you know, learning and researching exposure therapy has taught me about my arachnophobia, um, which is which is a fear of spiders. And when it comes to uh, my personal arachnophobia, it's not just spiders, but um, things that uh, move like spiders or resemble spiders. Uh, they don't have to be uh, alive and crawling around in order to be terrifying. I definitely think I could have used exposure therapy growing up. My my brothers were, like, constantly tormenting me about my fear. Okay, but isn't that exposure therapy? No. I feel like the, the – I think Dr. Rossburn was telling me about, like, what he does when he's with patients. And it's very much like, are you okay now? Okay, you're okay looking at that image? Stare at that image for a little bit longer. Okay, so now we're going to look at a video, you know? Okay, like, yeah. So this is, this is how no brother has talked to anyone in the history no, of time. No, yeah. But um, I do – I have to play for you a, a segment with my brothers, uh, which I recorded recently, for you to get a good picture of just, like, how hellish – they were capable of making my life. Um, and this is a segment that we're calling uh, Rebecca's Brothers Are Sometimes Assholes. Um, they're my younger brothers, Josh and Andy. Uh, both of them are sort of assholes in this segment.H, uh, but Andy is the bigger asshole. So uh, you he's the first brother that you'll hear from. So uh, so neither of you are afraid of spiders. Are you afraid of spiders like a little bit? I'm not afraid of them at all, zero. I just saw a spider upstairs, and it was on my towel, and I brushed it off, and then I'd use the towel to dry myself off. Whoa, that's so wild, because you don't like, like, germs or other bugs or stuff like that. I don't that. think spiders are that gross. I think other bugs are a lot more they gross than spiders. clear out all the other bugs. I mean, they're like, yeah. the, they're like the janitors. I've had, a part, I've had spiders in my apartment that I just left alone. Yeah. Same here. Within my there's room. like fruit flies. Yeah. I, mean, I kind of think they're like my friend. Like, they, the they're who? more scared of us, right? Was it the Who that said Boris the Spider? They had that song. Boris the Spider. Rebecca was even scared of the song. I remember yeah. on vacation, Rebecca got Boris angry at us. <laughs> yeah, because like <laughs> you were just like singing a song like that, and then <laughs> and then we saw thought, saw how far we could take it, and oh my we were gosh. like the World Wide Web, and Rebecca <laughs> would like that. Even that would make her anxious. And then mom, then mom and dad would always get. No, it was mostly mom. Like you cannot tease your sister about. <laughs> they didn't care about spiders. It. They thought they thought your fear was ridiculous, and they just didn't want us making you upset. <laughs> Do you remember a specific instance? I have this one memory of being in the car around Halloween time. And you guys both had those plastic Halloween spider rings and you were like dancing your fingers. I was in the middle of the car in the back seat, and you guys were I actually the remember <laughs> that because that was so much fun doing that to you. Do you realize that <laughs> it was as if you were pointing guns at me and dancing the guns like along my leg? Like that is how terrified I was. Like that is the level of terror that was going through me. No, we didn't realize that. No. That's why we thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Well, I guess we just had no idea. We just didn't because we were just not afraid of spiders. It's just so, so I guess far it was from so our alien. understanding. So like, alien to us. Because, like, I'm, like, kind of, like, OCD. And so, like, I can sort of connect with how you think about that a little bit. But, like, it just seems so ridiculous because spiders, like, are so harmless. It seemed like you're being a drama queen and it was funny to mm -hmm. tease you about it. Compared to how you were like 10 years ago, how would you say you are now if you see a spider? 
I'm I'm much better now if I if I see a spider. But also, like in this past year, I feel like I've been so much more exposed to spiders mm-hmm. because I've been thinking them and I about them a lot more. I've been thinking about arachnophobia a lot more. I've been like looking at pictures of them. And so I think that like mild exposure over this past year has like actually helped me a little bit. It it, it doesn't leave me like paralyzed anymore. Do you want to see how you'll react? No. Wait, seriously? Andy, 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 are you f- Andy? There's currently, my brother brought a spider into this interview. No worries. And he put it in a paper cup and he just. You're all right, bud. I had no part of this. I had no part of this. Did you know that was there, Josh? You knew it was there? <laughs> I told him, I told him I was going to bring one. You guys it was like a are... sign. I mean, like, I was in the shower, and a spider was on my towel, and I'm like, hey, Rebecca needs some exposure therapy. So I captured it. Did it work? <laughs> Did it work? Are you cured now, Rebecca? I'm not cured fixed? now. You guys... I cured Rebecca. You're welcome. Okay. Um, this interview is over now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I think we can we can say that is not exposure therapy, but I think we should also say it's worth noting that is some top-notch little brothering. Thanks to Josh and Andy for that top-notch little brothering. It does make for a fun podcast episode. So uh, moving from spiders to anxious stomachs and bathroom issues. Uh, This next clip is from our 2018 Valentine's Day episode of Group with Hattie Cooper, who is the author of The Anxious Girl's Guide to Dating. As many of our listeners will know, anxiety often comes along with digestive issues, (laughs) which can lead to some (laughs) embarrassing moments when you're first getting to know someone. Mm -hmm. How do you first like broach the subject of I'm not feeling super great and this is maybe going to affect like, you know, if we're spending the day together or something like that? Like, how do you first talk about that? And then was that something that you and your uh, now husband could immediately laugh about or was it awkward or weird at first? (laughs) I mean, this is different for everybody. Everyone has different levels of comfort with these topics. But, like, my whole life, I've always been a believer. And, like, I'd rather be the one to share something embarrassing than have them discover it. Like, I want to have control of that situation. So I'd rather announce, like, hey, my stomach is being weird than sitting there and, like, praying to the activity of God. And that anxiety makes your stomach worse. And I think it's always better to get something out than to hold it in. (laughs) Literally and figuratively. Yeah, (laughs) literally. I guess with my current partner, I, I'm very lucky where he, a lot of his siblings have irritable bowel syndrome. And so Mm. he's kind of grown up hearing about it. I mean, I still wasn't right Mm. away announcing things because obviously, you know, I still wanted to put up this persona of being like Grace Kelly, where everything's perfect all the time. I think when we had just, we had just started saying, I love you. And so it's still scary. And I still don't know if I should be Mm -hmm. saying it. And uh, and we had gone on a trip to the San Juan Islands, which is up here near Seattle. And the island is pretty remote, and it's really small. And we were driving around, and I could feel rumblings happening downstairs in the basement. And I was like, oh, man, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like, we're driving on this little island. We passed one restaurant that was closed. 
uh, and things were just like quickly de-escalating. And I oh, could no. tell, I mean, the, the minute you start to spiral and your brain goes into it, your body is just like, well, it's happening. Like you can't stop it now. There's no turning back. So I told her, I'm like, listen, babe, I love you. I'm like, but I got to go to the bathroom immediately right now on the side of the road. And so he pulled over, no questions asked. And I started running towards this patch of forest in the distance. <laughs> and he leans out the window and he shouts, I love you. Aww. And as I was jogging, I'm like, this is really romantic. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. I mean, this is awful. But it was one of the more romantic moments of my life because it was so humiliating and, and embarrassing. But yeah. in that moment, he still shouted after me that he loved me, which is so sweet and so thoughtful. Yeah. I needed support in that moment. So with my boyfriend... I'm a messy person and he is not a messy person. <laughs> and I have like a lot of shame around my messiness. And also like as an anxious person, like I like to control other people's perceptions of mm-hmm. me, right? Like yeah. I want to make sure oh, yeah. that my apartment is clean and organized before someone comes over. Mm-hmm. But when you're in an intimate relationship with somebody, they like start to see the real you. And um, <laughs> so my boyfriend well, I was out running errands, like ended up cleaning my whole apartment for me and like saw the the dust, you know, underneath the couch that I hadn't like cleaned underneath on, in years. And like, I'm sure there were like weird toenail clippings and like giant balls of hair and all that stuff. And it, yeah. it was just, I was expecting him to like turn around and be like, I cleaned your apartment and you're disgusting. Yeah. But instead he like, he was just like, oh, I, yeah, I just cleaned around for you. He was, he was like very sweet. I was sort of expecting if that were to happen or if he were to see that side of me, he would just be repulsed by me. Well, this is it. Yeah, and now it's been a nice run. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But uh, it was just so reassuring in that moment to be like, wait, what? You're okay with this part of who I am, even though it's not perfect? I think just remember that. Like, this is what it means to be human. This is what it means to be with somebody and support somebody. And and if you're with someone who's making you feel worse because of that, I think that's a good moment to reevaluate how you want to spend your Mm. days and... If you want to hide things and have to pretend that things aren't happening, then kind of a good barometer. So uh, shout out to all the loving partners to accept us, flaws and all. We talk a little bit about this in in that full episode, in the full Valentine's Day episode, but um, I want to put a plug in for dating anxious people right now, because although we may be neurotic, I, I think that sensitivity makes us kinder, more empathetic, and ultimately better partners. So um, date anxious people. We're great. So the next clip I've picked out is from our episode, Don't Ask Me About My Junk, Mental Health in the Trans Community. I worked on this episode with our group friendopist, licensed clinical social worker, Catherine Drury. In the clip, uh, I play part of my conversation with Lore M. Dickey, who is a transmasculine therapist living in Arizona. And Lore works a lot with trans and gender nonconforming people. Um, and a, a little context for the clip, we're discussing how um, everyday interactions that, that gender nonconforming folks have to deal with can be really hurtful, harmful, and, and generally just like bad for their mental health. This could be, you know, anything from direct aggressive behavior that could make someone feel unsafe to unintentional microaggressions or, um, you know, like little derogatory comments. So there's this one specific comment that kept coming up when we were doing the episode. Actually, actually a question uh, that we heard a lot of trans and gender nonconforming folks say that they get asked 
um, and it can be particularly upsetting. So Catherine, Lore told me that during his transition, he could only talk about his trans identity with two people a day um, because that conversation was just like so freaking exhausting for him. Yeah, I can imagine. So there were a lot of um, microaggressions from well-meaning people who just were just ignorant about the subject. Um, so for example, Lore was saying that one of the most exhausting things for him was the uh, constant inappropriate questions. I've had people ask me about my genitals. And it's the question of, have you, quote, had the surgery? Mm -hmm. That's asking about my genitals because they don't realize that, you know, for a transmasculine person, there's chest masculinization surgery, mm -hmm. there's hysterectomy, and then there's genital surgery. And that's generalizing what transmasculine people might engage yeah, in. Yeah, and also quite a few people who identify as transmasculine are, yeah, are not going to have all of those you know, different or maybe surgery. even, yeah. or maybe even any of those. Why do you think people are so fixated on that? Why do you think that's a question that comes up so often? I think part of the reason is because they aren't in their head. They're trying to make sense out of who you are, and uh, the pejorative part of this is that if you haven't had those surgeries, then you aren't yet a real man or woman. Mm. That's my sense of what it's about. It's also a morbid and inappropriate curiosity that people have that, it, frankly, is none of their business. If it's mm -hmm. not okay for me to ask you about your genitals, yeah. and I'm guessing it's not because that's just not something you normally talk to people who you've never met before about. So why is it okay then for people to ask a trans person about theirs? I mean, can can you imagine if, if strangers you just met asked you what your genitals look like? <laughs> um, I cannot, actually. Yeah, so I know a lot of people are well-intentioned when they're saying this, uh, but they should know that it's, like, not a, not a cool thing to, to ask because, you know, you think about how you, how you would feel if uh, someone you just met asked you about your, like, most intimate physical situation. Right. And it's such a small or it's only one part of the trans experience and the trans identity. Your gender is about so much more than just your reproductive organs. So it, it did seem like it's a pretty common theme with trans people, though. People are always asking about the surgery. I spoke with Dylan Caput, who's a transmasculine teacher in New York. Um, so I've started telling people who are like, have you had the surgery that, yes, in fact, I have had my wisdom teeth out. Because what what do you say to that? Like, do you mean top surgery? Do you mean bottom surgery? Do you mean wisdom teeth surgery? Like, do you mean a hysterectomy? Do you mean, like, have you ever had a knee replacement? Like, there are thousands of surgeries. I have no idea what you're referring to. But <laughs> it is pretty fascinating how often people ask questions about my genitals. Like, I just, I don't... Like, do people in general just walk up to each other on the street and say, like, how's your penis doing today? Because I don't think they do. So why are they asking about anything that's underneath my underwear? I don't know. But people are very curious about trans people's genitals. And th they don't seem that curious about other people's genitals. Why do you think that is? Do you have a hypothesis? <laughs> Apparently it's very fascinating to people when maybe their genitals don't match their gender expression. Um, I was at Passover Seder, and my uncle, like, screams across the table. He's like, Dylan, has your junk changed? 
And I'm like, I'm not answering that here. We're like in the middle of like prayer. And he decided that was the appropriate time to have that conversation with me. But strangers, like if my friends are curious, I will absolutely tell them. I'm a very open person. I'm happy to talk about that. But it's like when strangers like read something I wrote online about being trans and they comment and they're like, have you had the surgery? I'm like, just stop. Um, I love that clip. It's both really horrible and really funny thinking about Dylan's uncle shouting across the table about you know, their quote-unquote junk during Passover Seder. Uh, I feel like it really illustrates some of those, like, well-meaning microaggressions, but also it just encapsulates the anxiety of being around family during the holidays, which I think, like, you know, we can all relate to in, in one way or another, regardless of gender identity. Okay, so I have two more clips for you. The first one is from our episode on social anxiety, where I interviewed Claire Eastem, the author of the award-winning book, We're All Mad Here, about, you know, her personal experience dealing with and treating her social anxiety. So earlier on in the episode, she told a story about her social anxiety growing up. Um, and the, the gist of it was that she was at a sleepover and she was feeling really anxious because the girls were playing like um, truth or dare or something that freaked her out. So she ended up hiding in the bathroom in order to escape the stress. And then when the other girls at the party noticed that she was gone, they all they like knocked on the door and she pretended that she was locked in. And like, you know, that's why she had been in the bathroom for like over an hour. And so the host's father came and had to break the door down in order to get her out. And, and the, so that story, it reminded me of some of the um, awkward and uncomfortable situations that my own anxiety has inspired. So I got to talk them through with group friendopist Catherine Drury and uh, my co-host Ian Chant. I was studying for a year in England and um, I was sort of like an Anglophile before I went. I had this idea that I was going to go and then I was going to make all, make all these British friends and we were just going to be like jolly and British and, and, and happy together. My experience was that like I went and they would be friendly and nice to me at night when we were all drinking and they were, you know, like, like loose on the booze juice. But then like when I would see them the next day, they would... Uh, ignore me when they were sober and I would you know try and say hi and they wouldn't say hi back to me which would lead to these like anxiety spirals where I would be like do they not like me like was was I awkward last night was I stupid and um so yeah so I had a lot of difficulty making friends with which the British students I I got to a point where I would um dread interacting with with British people and so I lived uh I lived off campus when I was there and so I would have to go on campus to get my mail that was in the mail room and I would put on sunglasses and a hat before I went into the mail room so that uh people like like you were like you were a Carmen Sandiego yeah 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 I was like or I would like put on like a hoodie and sunglasses and it was really uh the sunglasses thing was like pretty silly because it was always like very overcast or raining right yeah i had like a couple homeless guys there like holler at me and be like why you why you got your sun studies on why you got your studies on when it's raining to, to be fair to those homeless guys pretty <laughs> good like, question because i don't want people to look at me or talk to me rebecca i do want to jump in here because i i, I feel like you you introduced claire as the british version of you and i i do yeah. think i have to it, it 
it popped into my mind earlier, but now I have to I have to object forcibly because the British version of you is very clearly you already. Um and it's an accident of birth that you are not British. And uh, maybe, Catherine, I'd love for you to confirm or deny, this is the most British thing I've heard <laughs> of anyone doing ever. Quite possibly. And I've always loved <laughs> Becca's British accent. So it, it, went, it would go it's one of her a special little bit. Gifts. It would go a little bit further because, um, yeah, so I'd also, I would talk in a British accent when I was there so that... <laughs> So that people... This is literally a Mitchell and Webb sketch right now. <laughs> so that people, like, wouldn't recognize me as that, like, that American student who was there who was weird. <laughs> so I would go and I would talk into a... So, so that they would instead recognize you as the American student who wore sunglasses <laughs> all the time and affected a British accent? I can understand that, though. Like, in high good. school... <laughs> In high school, I couldn't imagine being like a foreign exchange student and mm. having all of that attention and, you yeah. know, just being a unique person who everyone's kind of focusing yeah. on. Yeah, so I'm sure they would do an American accent if they could sometimes, like those like teenage awkward years when you're like, you have an accent nobody else does. Yeah, um, I I had like an alter, uh, alter ego. My Her name was Beatrice. She was my English alter ego. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'd go places as Beatrice. Uh, I would go into campus to get my mail and it was like this covert, you know, mission. And I would go in and, I, and uh, try and get out as quickly as possible without anybody talking to me. And um, <laughs> like, like this is a Metal Gear Solid yeah. mission. And I would have people like send me things in the UK from the US and they'd be like, did you get it? Did you get my letter? I sent it weeks ago and I'd be like, oh, I have to put on my sunglasses and hat and go on campus. <laughs> If there's one thing that I've learned from doing uh, this podcast for 25 episodes, it's that talking about your mental health can be really freaking therapeutic and can can really help you connect with other people. Some things, you know, might, might seem really horrible in the moment, but retrospectively, they, they can be really funny and good fodder for bonding with, with your fellow neurotics. So thank you to Catherine and Ian for being so supportive and affirming to all of my crazy. I think it's important to have friends like these re regardless of what you know your mental health is like. So uh, this final clip features my brother, Josh, a reoccurring voice on group. This is from our episode that explored grief and depression. I, I share in our series on grief that I lost my mother to pancreatic cancer in 2015. Uh, she had just turned 57. And uh, it, it, it was really brutal for me and my dad and my brothers, you know, as well as, you know, all of the people who knew her and loved her. And we all had our, our ways of coping. And my brother Josh had food. I'd, I'd, I'd describe it as a, try to foodinize uh, our relationship as a complicated one. After, yeah, our mom passed away, um, that was my comfort i just ate a lot and it was in october so it was kind of around the holidays and so it was definitely easy to eat a lot and i went to my physical my checkup maybe in december i think i must have gained like 
25 pounds, maybe even more than that, 25, 30 pounds. But yeah, my doctor, he's a young, young guy. And he was like, he, he was checking out my measurements. He's like, Douglas, damn Douglas. What have you been working out? I got to know your routines. Let me know. You've been drinking protein powder. What's going on? And I'm like, grief eating, man. <laughs> like, just being sad and eating. <laughs> Josh is such a light in my life. And, um, you know, both my brothers... You know, whether whether you're bonding with me over anxiety or surprising me with spiders, um, I love you both. And thanks for, for being a part of my, my crazy podcast. Um, thanks to everyone who listens to and supports our show. Stay subscribed so that you'll get the new season when it comes out in 2019. And please use this podcast to inspire your own conversations about mental health and mental illness. It is so important that we talk about it in order to freaking kill the stigma. Because, you know, unless you are incredibly, incredibly lucky, almost everyone will be touched by mental health issues during their life. Uh, it's just the reality of the human condition that, you know, sometimes your brain doesn't behave itself. Most of these issues are treatable, and there are people and communities that, that want to support you and love you through them. As always, our website is grouppodcast.com. Music in this episode is by The Losers. And you can check out our friendopists website at katherinedrury.com. That's C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-D-R-U-R-Y.com. So we will be back in 2019. But in the meantime, please take care and be kind to yourself. Everything is going to be okay. Heads up, mental illness runs my family. If ever I start talking too fast about wanting to get in touch with the Pope or some other ethical authority, you're gonna wanna put me in a purple van, drive me to doggy daycare, cause I need to be boarded for the weekend. <laughs>